As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. I almost forgot it there. With me today to talk about the Bundesliga's summer so far is a person who, much like Carmen Sandiego, a reference I'm not sure he will get, could be anywhere in the world at any given time. It's Manuel Veit. Manuel, thank you for being here. Good to have you back. Are you in Germany, Canada, or the United States right now? I am in Canada for the next... Okay. 12 hours. <laughs> See, exactly. Oh, 16, 16 hours. And then I'm leaving again. Yeah, I arrived last night at one o'clock in the morning. Oof. I had uh, five hours of sleep, then straight into my work is really nice. They have these like afternoon meetings on their time just so I can actually sleep till seven o'clock. So I had All a meeting right. this morning. I got up at seven. Um, I had a couple points. I don't know how perky i sounded so if anyone from work listens to this podcast i apologize (laughs) (laughs) um and then then i'm doing the canadian championship final today so i'm flying over to vancouver this afternoon um i'm staying in vancouver tonight and then i'm flying over to germany to do the afl super cup and then i'm coming back on august 1st and then i think the world is not gonna hear or see from me for 48 hours Oh, that's exciting. Are, are, is that is that a deliberate thing or are you like taking yourself off the radar for um, yeah, negative? I, I think after working for yeah. 15 or 16 days straight, yeah. uh, I, I think I need a break. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I appreciate that in all of that busy chaos, you have found the time to talk uh, to me about the Bundesliga because I have many questions for you. It's been uh, quite the summer. We've talked about some of these moves mm-hmm. previously, but we will revisit a few of them. Last time I think you were on, we started with some of the smaller teams. Teams. Yeah. This time we're going straight to Bayern Munich because um, it's been a pretty busy summer and I'm, it sounds like it will continue to be a busy summer for them. Starting off with last season, in your mind, what did you feel like were some of the major weaknesses in Bayern's squad and how much mm-hmm. do you feel like those vulnerabilities have been addressed this summer? I mean, a lot of the talk was about defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone ever really worried about the attack. Um, obviously, with Robert Lewandowski gone, the um, that has is an issue now, um, and it remains to be seen whether they did 
address that the right way. I think they're sort of experimenting with that, right? And um, that's been the main topic of this Bayern Munich US tour that I was part of was I think we all asked uh, anyone who we could ask. <laughs> I think the Bayern bosses and players must be so sick and tired of us journalists asking about how they're going to replace 50 goals. And at some point, mm-hmm. at some point, the players even like just went there straight without us asking. <laughs> so insane. Um But I think this is a really big question, right? And um, that is not something that was an issue last season, but is an issue now because you lose one of the two or three best number nines on the planet. The, the question needs to be asked where, where, how are you going to replace 50 goals that Robert Lewandowski scored every year? Right. And, um, I think the approach that they're sort of going about, I find really fascinating. And I've written quite a bit about it over this last week. Um, including in, if you haven't seen it yet, Tyler, we have a new Bundesliga gig pressing Substack. Um, I have not. Stefan and I, yeah. So we have some additional, obviously we're still doing the podcast, which is free. And then we do an additional podcast, which is behind the paywall. And then each of us write an article um, once a week. So three pieces of content. And the one substack that I wrote last week was about this very topic on how do, how do Bayern Munich replace 50 goals a season. And I think I'm not quite sure yet if they've, if they're able to do it. Um, Sadio Mane obviously comes in from Liverpool. He looked really good in the US at that game against DC United, right? Scored, scored his first goal right away from the spot. Um, Serge Gnabry renews his contract and, uh, until 2026. And I think the expectations are that he will chip in a lot more goals. Um, his buddy Joshua Kimmich actually said, said that, that, you know, Gnabry has to be one of the players to benefit from Lewandowski departing because he's obviously getting a lot more game time in, in that, in that front row. And I think they're going to play with two false number nines almost with Mane and Gnabry at the front. And, um, I think then the question mark is, are those two going to be able to replace the goals? And then they brought in Matisse, Matisse Tell, um, from Stadrens for an enormous amount of money for a 17 year old where once all the add ons are hit. He's going to be the most expensive 17-year-old in the history of the game. And I think the idea is that you sort of have him grow in the shadow of those false number nines and, and that you bring him in to play a center forward role, right? But, I mean, the, the big question here is, is it enough? And um, if it's not enough, and Nagelsmann alluded to this in the press conferences that we were at, and Antonio Conte was not happy about that, obviously, because this hurricane is... Is in the back of everyone's mind at the moment. And are Bayern Munich going to go after him next year if um, this doesn't work out? So that's, I think, a really big question. And then the other one is defense. Um, Matisse Tell, Matisse, uh, sorry, Matisse de Licht, not Matisse Tell. There's a lot of Matisse coming in. <laughs> sorry, I'm really happy that. that you're doing it because I had in my <sighs> notes, I don't know how to pronounce many of these names. So, so I'm glad Matisse, that you're doing it first. It's Matisse Tell. Yeah. And I think I got that wrong. Yeah. And it's Matthias de Licht. There we go. I think. If That's things, you- I was going to ask, if things don't go well to start the season, is there a chance that if Harry Kane isn't available, Bayern will go back on what they were saying and maybe inquire about Cristiano Ronaldo? Or do you feel like that ship has sailed? He will not be playing for Bayern no matter what. I hate to deny that transfer. 
Uh, I personally don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. One of the great things about this tour is that we had opportunities to speak with a lot of the decision makers off the record. Hassan Salihamidzic wasn't there, um, obviously, because he because he was doing all these transfers. He was supposed yeah. to go on the US tour, but he was busy signing the Licht, and then he was busy to sign Tell, right? So he didn't come. But Oliver Kahn was there. Uh, Herbert Heiner was there. Um, Jung was there, who was the director of marketing and branding. Actually, everyone was there. And we, we had the chance to fly with them from D.C. to green bay and then obviously uh, spent some time with them at various events and um, there was a lot of off the record talk and um, when you read between the lines and some of the things that were mentioned cristiano ronaldo really wants to join Bayern munich he really does Um, he is pushing very hard to leave manchester united and i don't think he has many options to go somewhere where he can right away win another title. I think it's enticing to him for to win um, another top four league title, right? Because it would be England, Spain, and then Germany. And then I think, right, the, the, which one am I missing? England, Germany, Spain. Oh, he's won Italy too. Italy. So he would have won all four, right? And I think that's sort of what he's going after. Um, and then, of course, he would also be right away in a Champions League the team that could win the Champions League. The problem with Cristiano Ronaldo is while he is an enticing prospect in terms of what you would do with marketing, and I think if Bayern had done it, they would have done it during this US tour, right? Um, you walk out at Lambeau Field in front of 80,000 people and announce Cristiano Ronaldo. That's the way to do it, in my opinion. Um, but I think there's been a couple of articles written on this, including an excellent article in The Athletic. And I, I'm sorry for this because I really can't remember who wrote it. So I apologize. Um, that showed that he's made every team worse in the last... The last two teams gotten worse when he joined, right? Mm-hmm. First Juventus and then Manchester United. Even though he chips in a lot of goals he means that there is a lack of productivity in other areas and also his defensive contribution sucks. <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, I think yep. you're, you're a Man United fan, right? I am. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't really do the defensive side. He also doesn't strike me as a person who at this point in his career wants to do things that are well outside of his kind of quote-unquote norm. So I think Ten Hag coming in and demanding more of of the entire team, both on and off the pitch, I'm not sure if that's a thing he is necessarily going to love. I feel like he would have previously at a younger point in his career. And certain things like no drinking during the week, I think he's already sort of done away with. So I don't think that's as big of an issue. But I I feel Mm. like overall, there's an element of I'm Ronaldo. You can't tell me what to do. I'll tell you what to do. And I'm not sure that fits with what the club is going for now. I'm not sure he makes them better on or off the pitch. Yeah, so I think that answers the same question when it comes to Bayern, right? With Julian Nagelsmann, you you get the same thing. But then again, you don't want to rule it out. If they don't bring in Ronaldo, though, let's say like with the the players they have now, uh, they obviously do not have Robert Lewandowski, as you've already Mm. mentioned. Uh, Rafa Honigstein wrote a good piece for The Athletic as well about sort of Lewandowski, the player, but also Lewandowski and how he... I think the contention was never fully connected to supporters of Bayern Munich and to even mm-hmm. some of his teammates, that he was mm-hmm. this incredibly important player, but at the same time, maybe won't be as remembered as some of the Bayern Munich greats. How do mm-hmm. you feel like he'll be remembered uh, by the Bayern Munich faithful? Yeah, I mean, um, 
Rafa would, I, I, I can't disagree with anything he writes. He's an institution himself, right? Um, as a journalist. And it was really interesting that we had Pavel Volkowitz on our game pressing show, which I think you, if you, if you're interested in the man Lewandowski, you should probably still listen to that because it's still very much on point. Pavel Volkowitz is the Polish journalist who wrote, um, Lewandowski biography. Mm -hmm. And it's an excellent listen. Um, I don't say much on it. Pavel does all the talking and as he should, because he knows Robert better than probably most people. And I think he said a lot of these things as well um, that Rafa wrote in his article. It echoed a lot of the same sentiment, right? And it comes to Lewandowski's, I can't really express it as well as Pavel did. And so I really do recommend people to listen to this who are interested. But it comes down to the fact that for Robert Lewandowski playing for a certain club, it that's a job. Scoring goals is a job. He said to Pavel once that he's never going to kiss the badge of a, of a club because the club, if he doesn't, if he's not needed at the club anymore, will just as easily discard him as he would just move on if the opportunity arises. And so there was never really that emotional connection. And we had the same thing at Dortmund, right? Um, before that. So I think because of that, that he's not going to be remembered in the same vein than Gerd Müller, whose record in a single goal scoring season he broke, of course. But I do think that a few years will go down and um, he will become someone that will be positively remembered at the club. And I think the divorce was very messy, but I think in the end there was a solution found that made everyone happy. Bayern Munich got 45 million euros for a player who we don't know how much longer he's going to be able to play. And Lewandowski got his move to Barcelona, although he's yet to be registered. <laughs> <laughs> that old conundrum. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so hope, hopefully, hopefully for him, they can figure that out. But I, I think uh, between Bayern and Lewandowski, that's all sorted. And I think that in a few years' time, people will look back positively and say, okay, well, he's not one of the legends, but he's a legend. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. I think also, like, his that mentality, that approach of, like, not kissing the badge, they'll find mm -hmm. somebody else if I'm not doing my job, is correct. That is yeah. sort of the way it tends to go in football. So it's a strange one where, though the sentiment that he's expressing or the belief he has is maybe not going to endear him to like football fans around the world, at the same time, he is correct. It is a business that is how it operates, and he is a commodity. And maybe that's, I think we talked about this last time, sort mm -hmm. of put put on display when they're courting Erling Haaland while still technically yeah. negotiating with him. I think there's a feeling of, oh, okay, like, we both sort of understand it's a marriage that doesn't work for us anymore, yeah. basically, is I think what the agreement was. Are they moving in that direction, do you feel like, with uh, Luca Hernandez, who uh, I think prior to Delict was their, their major – I guess he is still their record signing at 80 million euros. Uh, yeah. But is the Delict signing maybe a sign that that was not money well spent at this point? I don't know. I think that there is a feeling that Delict could actually help Hernandez. Hmm. And – I mean, it remains to be seen 
how much, how fast they can get the Licht up to speed. Um, he scored a gorgeous goal against DC United and came on, but then really struggled with fitness. And uh, Julian Nagelsmann, who probably stepped on every single verbal land- landmine there was at during this press during this time in the US, I think he he uh, upset Barcelona, Tottenham, and Ju- Juventus in quick succession <laughs> with his various comments. And uh, as a story in itself, he said that um, when you don't play in Italy, it's hard for, to keep up your fitness, alluding to the fact, of course, that they don't train very hard there. I don't know. Uh, if I, I've heard this before in the past about other players, so uh, there must be some truth to it. But as a coach at Bayern Munich, you better not say it. Um, but the, it was quite obvious that in De Ligt's case, that was true. His fitness wasn't really up. Um, Bayern Munich worked really hard uh, in Washington. And you notice it's hot there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> of the year. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the heat, but uh, it was hot. It was really hot. And of course, he comes in. Uh, 48 hour whirlwind, uh, transfer and he comes in and then goes in a training session and they, they do sprint training and then he plays for 20, 25 minutes and just basically is done, right? And they had to take him off. Um, played for, played 40 minutes in the second game. There is some work to be done and the season technically starts the Saturday in Leipzig, right? But to answer your question, I think he is brought into, to help Hernandez. This is, this is who they are, I think, sort of feeling is going to create a new backbone at the club. Um, it's a very expensive center pair signing, as uh, center pair couple, isn't it? Uh, Hernandez at 80 and uh, De Ligt comes in at uh, 67 plus. Oh, I can't remember the add-ons, but it's still a significant signing. And with, when you add that together, it's, it's, it's an expensive center pair um, center pack pair, and then you add Pavard in there as well. Who, um, interesting enough, Lucas Hernandez said he really wants him to stay because there's all sorts of rumors about him, right? So, um, yeah, I think I don't see this as Delicht coming in replacing Hernandez. I see this as Delicht coming in to maybe replace someone like Niklas Süle, but also to be a player profile that is very much complementary to what Hernandez can offer. Final question on this topic then. Uh, does that mean, okay, if it's not Hernandez, does that mean that the Opamecano transfer hasn't gone as swimmingly as maybe Nagelsmann would have hoped? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And I know all sorts of media in, in Munich kind of downplayed this because um, I tweeted this. And then shortly after, a bunch of media in, Ger- in Germany said, well, it's it's not true without reading what I actually tweeted. The, the matter of fact is that Dayot Upamecano's representative changed agencies and took him with him to Unique. They, they were at uh, Sports360, the German agency, um, big German agent, Strut, who, who, repl- who represents all sorts of bigger players. And she took him to Unique. Um, and I talked to some people in the industry, um, other agents, and the way they explained it to me is the following. This doesn't mean he's going to, he's looking for a Premier League move now, but 
Unique is, a, is an agency that is very strong in the Premier League market. And the way they explained this to me is if a player moves agents, agencies, not necessarily their representatives, but agencies, there's, that's always an indication that the player is not 100% satisfied with his current situation. And at least two agents told me, keep an eye on this, because while this doesn't mean he's going this year, if things do not go as planned for the Upamecano camp, he will push for a transfer. And that's what I just, what I reported, right? I said medium term. That doesn't mean now, doesn't mean maybe uh, this winter, but if he's in a situation next summer where he says, wow, Hernandez and De Ligt are playing a lot and I'm not, then he's definitely going to push for a move. And this is why these agency changes are always really interesting mm-hmm. because they do indicate that the player is unhappy. All right. Well, uh, Open Makano might be unhappy. Hopefully listeners are not talk, uh, hearing us talk about the Bundesliga or specifically Manuel talk about the Bundesliga. Uh, but we will be back uh, in just a short break to hear more about we're going to go to Dortmund next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Welcome back. We've talked plenty about Bayern Munich. There's still plenty more we could talk about, but we should talk about a few of the other clubs in the Bundesliga. Uh, I think it's safe to say Bayern Munich will be in that top four. I feel like it's safe to say they're going to be near the top of that table. Top uh, two would at you, least. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, I, I have a feeling they might uh, end up winning the title again, Manuel. Shock of all shocks. Where do yeah. you have Dortmund in your estimations? Let's, let's just, yeah, like generically speaking, how are you feeling about Dortmund right now? I felt very good about them. And felt until, past tense. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> obvious, I mean, the, the, the big one is that the Sebastian Haller shock, right? Mm-hmm. The diagnosis. Um, we, we don't know the exact diagnosis. We are, we're expecting, I'm actually checking my phone real quick just to make sure I didn't miss it. And I don't think we have a result by the time of recording. Um, it's very, I mean, it's, that, that's, a, that's a shocker. And it's, a, it's sad because it's the second one that we had in this offseason. Um, Baumgartel, who joined Union Berlin, had this, had the same, um, um, a tumor in the testicles, right? Mm. And, um, we don't know whether it's cancer or not until the results come back or how, how bad it is. I mean, best case, it's malign. It's a quick operation recovery um and he he will be a factor this year worst case it's not and then we don't know and i think that that hangs over the club like a big black cloud at the moment 
and the timing for it. And I mean, the timing for this is always bad. <laughs> you know, um, that's a shock for any team and for the environment of a team. Um, but you know, this coming just before the season and they spend a lot of money on him as well. And he was supposed to be the centerpiece that will bring them all together. And I felt really positive about Dortmund's attack, their, the, the, the chemistry of the team, what he adds, um, to a very young forward group that has a lot of talent already. Um, but that all became secondary nature with just one diagnosis, right? And so this is why I said felt. I, I do feel yeah. that the signings that they made without this, the team looks really good. It's, um, they brought in Adeyemi, who I think is an enormous talent. Nico Schlotterbeck, one of the most talented defenders in German football. Niklas Süle, who I actually think is a fantastic signing for them. Um, they addressed all their weaknesses, right, in defense. Sali Eskan comes in from Köln, um, who I think is a great defensive central midfielder, who will give them that necessary grit in, in, in midfield. Haller is sort of the player that without necessarily giving them the same production is still the same kind of player type than Erling Haaland, Haaland in a lot of ways, while also making sure that their productivity isn't dependent on just one player. And I think because of that, I, I looked at this and I said like, yeah, they have, they will have a chance this year. And then now I don't know. Yeah, and I, I had actually missed the Haller news, so thank you for mentioning that. So for people who also missed it, basically he said he was feeling unwell in training, yeah. uh, did a medical scan. They found the tumor on a testicle. He, I think, has now had it removed or at least part of it removed, uh, but I don't know if it has been reported the severity, if it's uh, mm -hmm. benign or malignant. So we shall wait and see. But I guess that is that, that reminder, of course, that there are far more important things than... Yeah. Uh, signings and preseasons and the like. So with uh, with no um, Haller uh, there with them, how do you feel like uh, Eden Terzic will sort of deal with that? And what do you make of Eden Terzic being back in charge? I think this is now his fourth different position with Dortmund, having been <laughs> uh, like an assistant manager, a caretaker manager, the technical director. Now he's the head coach officially. Uh, what are your thoughts on him getting that job? Well, I think it was always poor Marco Rosa, right? Um, they Actually, yeah, let's, let, can we start with that? Yeah, what happened with Marco Rosa? Because that was one that I think we were both very excited about, thought it was going to be the smartest signing, mm. and now here we are, he is no longer in charge. I mean, the end in Gladbach maybe should have given us some indication of which direction this could go. And then, of course, um, the fact that Erdin Tesic did so well with them, win the German Cup last year, and then gets promoted to be Mark Rose's boss. And we all know that if things go sideways with Mark Rose, he comes in right away and replaces him, right? And that's exactly what happened. And yeah, I, I think this was, this was one of those odd things that when Dortmund did sign Marco Rose, it was the perfect fit. But because of what happened in the in between the signing and Marco Rose actually taking over, it was an awkward fit. And I think it never really... It came down to, while the results were right, the matter of the results were not. 
and that bothered a lot of people in Dortmund. And I think in Eden Terzic, they have sort of fell in love with a guy that they would have liked to. It's like dating two people at the same time, isn't it? <laughs> That's always a and good way getting, to start a relationship, right? Then, that should go well. And then yeah. getting married while you're actually in love with the other person. Oops. And and <laughs> this is sort that. of do a that. good analogy of this, I think. Because like, then you, I think half, like, really early on in your marriage, you realize like, no, actually, I love this other person. And then you get a divorce and get married to the other person instead. I, this is sort of, I think, what happened here. And it's, I, I just think it was doomed now in retrospect and... Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? But yeah. I think um, I think this was always doomed. When you hear some of the things that he, that have now come out and been said, um, I just think that Erdin Tezic was the guy from the moment he won the German Cup, and Mark Rosa never had a chance. Do you feel like uh, Terzic has the sort of support of the the squad at this point, or has he always? Oh, Do you feel yeah. like he's a pretty popular figure. Yeah, I think that was the other thing. I think the players actually wanted him to. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was, I think, hard for Rosem. And um, the players obviously really liked him. Marco Reus really likes him. Um, Giovanni Reina really likes him. Yosuvo Mokuku really likes him. So I think that that's, that's a bunch of guys already that would rather work with the other guy, right? And... <laughs> That's just brutal. Like, how are you supposed to succeed in that? Yeah, you can't. It's not possible. And so here we are. We we got Martin Terzic back, and it's now his, and he has to prove that he has what it takes to actually, you know. Um, although, I mean, I guess now with the whole Sebastian Haller news, um, that puts it into a bit of a different light, but. This is his now. This is his club. And the club has given him the keys to it and said, we fully trust you. You are a man. And we want you to take this forward. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, not on an interim basis, full time, uh, blank check. Here you go. Man, I, it's, it's interesting to me. I wasn't planning to ask you this question for every single team in Germany, but if you don't have Haller, let's say that they, they give him the entire season to recuperate, and maybe that mm. won't end up being necessary. But if it were, and they needed a short-term replacement who's a proven goal scorer at international level, Cristiano Ronaldo also is still very much there. Uh, but I feel like for the exact same reasons we've already discussed, if you have Terzic coming in, maybe some of the cloud is gone. Maybe there is a happier vibe around that locker room around the training camp, I don't know if bringing in Ronaldo is going to necessarily make things better or decrease the drama very much. Well, it has been reported. Mendes oh is pushing for clubs. Uh, there's, there's clubs in Germany, plural. Um, I don't think it's Dortmund. I think they have a couple other play players in mind. Mm -hmm. They've been linked to Mauro Icardi. Oh, that's so, interesting. I know. I thought so too. And then there's... Uh, Piotek from Hertha, who they also thought of bringing. I, I think none of this is going to to even be a topic until we know what happened, what's going on with Sebastian Haller, right? So there's a lot of speculation. And I think this is really important to keep in mind. There's a ton of speculation at the moment. If Sebastian Haller's diagnosis is that he is going to miss a significant part of the season, let's hope not. We don't know. By the time of the recording, we just don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Then I do think they're going to do something. 
because they have to. And it will be someone who will be available on a free or will be relatively cheap yeah. or someone who someone else wants to offload. And it, it could be all sorts of players. That's it. That's interesting because you're right. That does sort of like change the way their recruitment process will work. So we can we can hold off on that one. We can just hope for the best for Haller. Yeah. My final question for you on Dortmund. Uh, you mentioned him previously. Will this be the season of Gio Reyna? Your answer options are definitely yes or probably yes. I hope so. Let's, that let's... wasn't an answer. It's definitely yes or probably yes, man. <laughs> it has to be one or the other. No. Okay. You hope so. Uh, I hope so. About it. He's worked really hard in, in off season. Right, he went to Austin, I think, to work really hard. There was um, a rumor in the Scottish press that he might go on loan to Rangers, and I was able to shut that down really quickly. And Terzic really likes him, but this comes down to his body finally doing what he wants his body to do. And that's not always up to the individual player, but I do know he worked really hard, and... He looked really good in preseason from, from what I've been told. And so you just hope his body doesn't strike on him again. I think that's, we, we all know that he's extremely talented. I know that we all know that Erin Tisic really likes him. Uh, and we all know that he's going to play a significant role when he's fit. It's just down to his body. Uh, Leipzig would be the other like potential title candidate, uh, mm-hmm. but they have had an interesting summer themselves. They've brought in uh, Javier Slager. I'm sure I'm butchering that one. Promoted a bunch of academy products. They've also sold five players for a combined total of over 70 million euros. Do you think Tedesco is happy with the squad as it is, or are you expecting more reinforcements? And if so, how many more reinforcements? Yeah, Leipzig, I, I think their team... Um, interestingly enough, is is very good. And I do have them down as a title challenger. The the worry that I have a little bit is that they are a bit thin in midfield. Um, I mean, Tyler Adams' problem with, was that he didn't get the sort of playing time that he was hoping for, right? And um, I think it was probably time for him to move on. Uh, Sava Schlager comes into... Um, hopefully form a, um, a midfield um, duo with Conrad Leimer, who was, who was rumored to join Bayern Munich. And yeah. Bayern Munich are really pushing to, to, sign, to sign him. Uh, Nagelsmann really wants him. Um, I personally don't think that all the drama around Conrad Leimer is worth it for either one of the clubs. He's a good player, but he's not going to necessarily make Leipzig worse or Bayern better, you know. And uh, I am pretty sure that when he leaves, uh, if he leaves, then um, Leipzig will probably find someone possibly in Salzburg to take up that role. Um, David Raum is coming in. That deal is on on its on almost being closed up. Um, left back from Hoffenheim, a significant signing for around 30 million euros and a very, very good player. German national team player. So he's, he's going to add significantly to this team, but you kind of feel that there's still work to be done. And I have the sense that they're almost going to wait with this throughout the summer because the, the, the transfer window doesn't close until September 1st. And you, I have sort of the sense that they are still kind of waiting to see 
where they're going to have to pluck holes. And they made a lot of money on, on a bunch of transfers, right? They sold, sold Tyler Adams for 20 million. Nordi Mokiele today was announced for 12 million plus three to PSG. Heishan Wong was sold uh, on a permanent transfer to Wolverhampton for, I think, 18 million. And then Brian Brobby, which they would have signed on a free transfer last summer, was now sold back to Ajax for 16 million. Now that's a deal. Yeah. That's <laughs> good business right there. That's yeah. Very good business. Well done. So there's a lot of money there. And they, they have a transfer plus of around 60 million right now. So there's money to be spent. And yeah. I, I think they will spend it because on top of that, they also have a rich owner who would be willing to pay the right amount of money for any player available. And then, of course, the very big one is that they signed Christopher Nkunku to a long-term deal without an exit clause. I don't think many people saw that coming. No, and I, I think most people would have expected him to make that big money move either now or next season. Maybe he still will next season, but obviously then it's going to cost them a lot more, uh, which means even more money for Leipzig to spend. The 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 sales that they have made so far, I think stand out to me because you mentioned like Adams wanted more playing time, wasn't getting as much. He sold for a good chunk of change. Uh, he Chan Huang, again, another player that was on loan uh, and now it's permanent to Wolves, Brian Brobby, mm-hmm. definitely not like betting in immediately with Leipzig so that's right there like close to 60 million euros for or 55 60 million euros for players who weren't really in the plans and so that's where it seems odd that's where my initial question felt odd asking it but like it's it's a team that's sold a number of players for a decent amount of money and at the same time very few of those players were actually I think in the long-term plans and so it seems like their overall core their overall approach is is pretty much unchanged it's just Mm -hmm. where else they'll need to reinvest if they do lose Limer or uh, Guardiol was the other one I keep seeing linked with a move away. Yeah, Guardiol is not going anywhere. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is uh, not my reporting, mm-hmm. but it's uh, Stefan Biankowski reported it. And I know who his source is. And I'm pretty, I can he's say. He's a Domenico Tedesco. No, it's better than that. So okay. I'm, I know that he's not going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So, so with that in mind, then, do you feel like because it seems Dortmund have a couple questions, they'll need to figure some things out. I don't know if they will. Okay, let me ask you this: between Dortmund and Leipzig, who do you think will be closer to Bayern Munich after the first, let's say, two months of the season? It all depends on what what's going on with Haller, but I think they're all going. To, all three of them are going to be very close mm. at the top. Okay. Because Bayern Munich are in a bit of transition. The signings that they've made are excellent, but you have to you have to find the chemistry, right? They, they're going to be in a completely different setup, and that will make them vulnerable, I think. From what I've seen in training and in the test matches, the key pieces that they brought in will need time to get integrated. And that is where you have a chance, right? Leipzig, I think their first 11 at the moment is probably the one of the most chemistry. What was one of the big strengths last year was that they had so many options to come in on the bench. And this is where I think they need to do a bit of work. And which is where also the 60 million that you mentioned might come in handy, right? Hmm. Uh, I'm really curious what they're doing with that money. And I think they're waiting for August to see what sort of deals to be had for the right piece. And 
I, I do think that they are in a position and they, they showed this at times under the Desco last year where they had this ru- insane run to actually do make the Champions League spots. And um, I do think that there is quite a lot, of, a lot there. But you know what? Those two are not the only ones who are going to look good at the start of the season. Let's tease that. Let's take one more break and let's come back to hear who else you think will be good back in just one second. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we are back. Manuel, we set it up perfectly, or rather you set it up perfectly, but let's continue. Who else do you think will be particularly strong, at the very least, to start the Bundesliga season? We haven't talked about them at all, and it's Bayer Leverkusen. Yep. I mean, this is a team who managed to hold on to all their key pieces and add it, right? They um, they added last winter already when they brought in Sada Asmoon from Sinit. They kept Patrick Schick. They signed Adam Losek, one of the most in-demand yeah. strikers. Him? Sorry yeah, to interrupt, but I am like it's. It is very rare for people who don't know much about him because I didn't until yeah. I was preparing for this show. Over 100 appearances in four seasons for Sparta Prague, yeah. which is an achievement when you realize that he turned 19 yesterday. So most of that 20. was before his 18th birthday. Or did he turn 20? Is he 20, 20 years old? But it's now? still an achievement because it means his career started at 16. Yeah, that's a lot of experience for a young player. It sounds like you're pretty excited about him. Uh, what do you think he's going to bring to Leverkusen? He is. Yeah, he's an excellent signing. And a lot of people thought that when he got signed that, oh, this is your Patrick Schick replacement. They're going to cash in on him. And it's like, they both check. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. That's all it takes to replace a player. Just make sure they're of the same nationality. (laughs) It's like, good, well done. You you figured out that they have the same passport. But no, they're very different. I I think Adam Hossack is a sort of, player profile that they have lacked since uh, Kevin Folland left for Monaco. Um, maybe even with a very higher ceiling and a little bit more um, flexible in terms of what he can add. He's a taller too, which means he's better in the air. And um, he kind of plays off a main striker a little bit. He, he can also play as an attacking midfielder or as a second striker. So he does add a lot of more depth to you, to your attack, right? And he's definitely not a classic number nine like Patrick Schick. I mean, Patrick Schick, I went to the Leverkusen's final game and I'm six, as you know, I'm six five. I'm quite tall. Yep. And I stood next to Patrick Schick and I was like, Oh my God, this guy is huge. This big guy. Um, I mean, we're the same height pretty much and. He is just 
extremely fit, extremely strong. So Adam Lossack is none of these things. <laughs> he's, he's far more dynamic. I don't want to say dynamic. I want to say more mobile, right? Um, he's far more of a floating kind of striker. And he's someone who complements Patrick Schick rather than replaces him. And I think when you when you look at this and you look at all these these players that they now have amazed, that's a lot of depth. And Musa Diaby hasn't gone anywhere yet. And from what I'm hearing, they are asking for 70 million euros. And the the teams that have sort of come in and asked about him, most prominently Newcastle United. He doesn't necessarily want to go there. So he, there's a higher chance of him being still here than him leaving. And then um, they're still working on this Mutrik deal from Shakhtar Donetsk, Ukrainian winger, right? It's very difficult because of the paperwork and Shakhtar Donetsk and all that. Mm. Um, so we have to see whether that's actually going across the line or not. And then you have to remember Florian Wirtz is going to come back after the World Cup from his ACL. Um, and the World Cup, right, in November. So he'll be back for the second half of the season. I mean, that's a, that's a lot, a lot of depth in attack. And their team overall looks very good. And they looked very good towards the end of last year. And everyone is a year older. Everyone is a year more experienced. You you have a center-back group that also gained a lot of experience, whether it's Odilon Kusunu, um, Tapsoba, Piero Hinkapie, right? There's... There's a lot of lot of good pieces here, and I think we haven't. No one really talks about them much because it's Leverkusen, so we just shrug them off. But they could be a team to watch this year. Yeah, I mean, they they seem it with the depth that you've mentioned, with the chemistry they have. It is just the case. I wrote this when I was uh, coming up with my questions that they're just that team that. They're fascinating, but we never talk about them because yep. they're always in or around the top four, but they never feel like they're that team that's pushing Bayern Munich. They're going to take it to the last day. Maybe they'll end up winning the title. I think their last title was over a decade ago, but so was everyone else's. So that's not surprising, except for Bayern Munich, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's a team that they've made what one signing. We've already talked about them. Uh, only one sale. It seems like they are poised to have that consistency and chemistry to hit the ground running. Do you feel like we have talked about the kind of most likely candidates for the top four already in those four teams? Yeah, that's my top four. And Bayern will be in the top two. And one of those those three will have a realistic chance of maybe beating them to the title. While I still think that Bayern's chance of winning the title is more than 60%. But I think there is competition there. Because all three competitors have gotten better. Even with Dortmund, mm. um, if it's the worst case for Dortmund with Haller, I think they actually got better. Um, yes, they lose Erling Haaland, but Erling Haaland is the sort of player who scores a lot of goals, but doesn't necessarily Im- improve the squad. And I think by them kind of spreading the load a little bit, they will actually become a better attacking team. And defensively, Dortmund have become way better, way better. And that was their biggest weakness. And when you look at the signings, they look really good. Leipzig, I think they're not done. But when you look at what Tedesco did towards the end of the season, they look really strong. So I think the competition has gotten better. Bayern Munich have gotten better too. But that top four, all four teams have gotten significantly better. And um, 
it's going to be interesting to see whether the three below Bayern have gotten better enough to make it interesting. And I think for this to be a competitive league, those three all have to challenge Bayern at the same time because Bayern Munich needs to lose drop points, right, at different places. And I think it's going to be interesting to see. And I think there is a chance that one of those three could do it this year and finally dethrone Bayern Munich. It's going to happen eventually. It will happen. I mean, even Juventus, where whose dominance seemed endless, eventually got dethroned. It's going to happen eventually, um, whether it's this year or next year. But I do think there is a chance because th- those other three teams have done a very, very, very good job in the in the transfer market so far. Strangely, we've talked about the four teams that will be in the Champions League, but there is a fifth team that will also be in the Champions yeah. League this year from the Bundesliga uh, because Eintracht Frankfurt won the Europa League. But that's the same Frankfurt team that finished 11th in the table with a negative goal difference. What are your expectations for them on the domestic side of things? Less so the Champions League, but do you fr- think Frankfurt will be in a better position uh, this Bundesliga campaign? Well, Frankfurt just, you know, they're just going to focus on all the cup competition and win those to stay in Europe. <laughs> Or that. You can do, do that too, either way. They just love the cup, cup competition. Uh, Frankfurt is a great example of what you a Bundesliga team should be able to achieve in the Europa League. 11th place teams in Germany should be able to compete for a Europa League title. It's been too long. They've finally done it, right? Someone other, named, other than Bayern Munich have won an international title for the Bundesliga. Now it needs to be a regular thing. And Anyone saying, well, it's difficult should look at Frankfurt and say, well, actually, no, you know, if you play in the Bundesliga, you, the chances are that you're one of the biggest teams in Europe because of the size and the income that you have. So, um, yeah, you should probably be competing for this. And, you know, Leverkusen, we just talked about, they haven't won silverware in a while. So if they drop out of the Champions League for whatever reason, if they don't win the Europa League, I can't see any excuses. And Frankfurt have sort of set the model for that, but I do think that. I, I am actually really excited. Um, a, they're bringing back Mario Götze. I think who has still has something to prove and had two excellent years at PSV in the Netherlands and really regained his fitness. He's looking great. Um, he's, you know, he's looking leaner. He's looking fitter. He's looking more dynamic. Um, there's a lot of positivity around him. And I think he's giving them a real playmaking option. And then they added Lucas Alario, who I do think has something to prove in Germany as well after. You know, showing at times Leverkusen that he was a good center forward, but it didn't really, never really hit off. And then Jens Peter Hauge was sent there, signed on a permanent deal. Um, Christian Jakic comes in as a defensive midfielder who was really highly rated in, in, in Croatia. So they've done a lot of really interesting things there. And I do think that, that they have, I think they're going to challenge for the top six. For sure. Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to handle the, the Champions League as well. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm just excited Mario is back in the Bundesliga. And I just want him to do well. You know, you just want him to do well. And um, we all want him to show that he's more than just a World Cup goal-winning player. 
Uh, if they are able to sort of get one of those Europa League places, that could come at the expense of, say, Freiburg. Uh, we mentioned them previously in regards to Nico Schlauterbach being sold for around 22 million euros. They've reinforced uh, Ritsu Dewan coming in, uh, Japanese winger Matthias Ginter coming in, Daniel Kofi Kaire from uh, St. Pauli. They finished sixth, as I said, qualified directly to the Europa League group stage this year. Will they have enough compete to compete, do you think, on both fronts, or do you think they will end up prioritizing the Bundesliga over everything else? Yeah, and, uh, and they have to prioritize the Bundesliga. I think that's that's the number one for them. Um, cool that they were able to bring back Matthias Ginter. Mm-hmm. This is a player who was also linked to Bayern Munich, and it's cool that they, they did it. And... Um, it's kind of like a really good feels good story. And Ritsu Duan is, um, a really good player. I'm really looking forward to see him. But I think for Freiburg, it's always the goal is to avoid relegation, right? And then see what happens next. And I think that is, Streich is not going to do it any differently this year, uh, no matter what the signings were. And at the same time, I do think you look at Frankfurt last year in the Europa League and you look at Freiburg and you say, why not? Yeah, I mean, I I would be fine with that. Uh, do you have any hope for Union Berlin making a run anywhere? I mean, they got promoted. They qualified for the Conference League. And then we said, okay, that's going to be really hard for them playing in the Conference League and the Bundesliga. We all expected a drop off. And then instead, they just qualified for the Europa League next. <laughs> Yep. Yep. They did. They did uh, sell Taiwo uh, Awani, but they've yeah. brought in Jordan Pifak, uh, the yeah. the American. Uh, What's he those... you? Which one is it? I'm still confused. Like, I, 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 I it's yeah. Because when we first encountered him, he was Jordan Theosin Sibachu. Then yeah. he was Jordan Sibachu. Then I think he was Pifak. At least that's what's on the U.S. Yeah. jersey. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see, wait and see what he has on his own yeah, jersey. Because like I did, I know German Bundesliga rules are quite strict about this. It has to be whatever it's in your passport. Oh, then he'll be probably Sibachu. Would be my guess. If yeah, I guess we'll see on match day one what it actually what we have to settle with. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. All right, but how do you think he fits in with uh, Awani uh, gone? His 15 yep. goals would need to be replaced. Do you feel like they're looking specifically to Pifak to fill that void? Yes, he is the Awani replacement. All right, let's and, do it. And a cool club for him to join, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for Union Berlin, that's a jackpot as well because there was going to be a lot of US eyeballs on a club that is getting a lot of attention abroad already because of who they are and what they've done and how they've gotten up in the ranks. And I, I think they, they're growing really quickly in Berlin as well. They're now the biggest, biggest team in Berlin in terms of membership. They've outgrown Hertha. And I think they're kind of, they're going to try to further underline this and become Berlin's team. And yeah, fair enough. I mean, if they are finishing up there again, I think they're firmly established in the Bundesliga and. I like what they have done. Um, PFOC is a great signing. Jamie Leveling is a good signing from Kreuter Fürth. Um, Morten Torsby comes in from Sampdoria. I'm curious about him. And then Diego Leite or Leich. Um, Portuguese names are a struggle for me, so I apologize. But he comes in from Porto and uh, on loan. And they've done some really interesting transfers. And they have this ability to to sign players and make them better. Ivoni is a great example, right? This, they, they brought him for very little money and sold him for 20 million euros in the end. And um, that just shows you that 
they they have understood to um, sort of weaponize cheap deals and turning them into into more money, which they then can turn into strengthening the team in various areas. And I think they've gotten better as well. And I really do think that Jordan Pifok or Sibachu is going to do really well in the league. And um, it's great because we've lost some Americans in the Bundesliga and yeah. we're now getting some extra ones. We're getting some new ones, right? And there's some other ones, of course, that have big years ahead of them in, in the league. And um, PFOG is one of them. So even though we lost Adams, um, we might lose Richards. The steel has oddly still not gone through. And um, we, we are gaining a couple of new ones. And Sibatro is one of them. What about Kevin Paredes at Wolfsburg? Do you yeah, that's, that's, a, that's probably the one. Yeah, that's the one that we were probably going to do next, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on Wolfsburg, specifically Kevin Paredes, but Wolfsburg in general, how you're thinking they're shaving up for the so, season. So, Biankowski, my smart colleague, called them the biggest sleeper team in the league. Hmm. He thinks that they're going to benefit the most from the World Cup and the break there because uh, Nico Kovac is a great signing for them, by the way, as a head coach. I think that team fits him perfectly. He's the system that they've played, the, 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 is exactly what Frank, what made them, what made him a success at Frankfurt. And so I think he's going to be a, a big success there. And I'm really looking forward. Um, he has a point to prove too, right? After his, his time at Bayern. And there's a history of, um, Wolfsburg signing former Bayern coaches and then doing really well. Uh, Felix Margot, of course, failed at Bayern, comes into Wolfsburg and wins the German title. And I'm not saying that's what Nico Kovac is going to do, but this is a team that um, is going to, has a point to prove, um, will benefit from the World Cup break because they are not in an international competition. So they have, they can use that time to sort of recuperate a bit. And Jakob Kaminski, they brought in a really interesting player from, from Lech Poznan and with, with an exciting profile. Uh, Kevin Paredes, of course. And then lots of people said, okay, well, this is uh, this is a big money signing and all that. But I think everyone understood that he wasn't signed for last year. He was signed for this year, right? They just wanted to bring him in early so he could adapt. Sort of similar to what Bayern Munich with Alfonso Davies. Remember that? Mm -hmm. He comes in and then spends most of the his first half year at the second team at Bayern. And then wasn't until the second year until he, he finally broke into the first squad and became who he was. I think that adaptation process is actually quite smart. So I think Wolfsburg, in my opinion, are a sleeper team. And uh, not in my opinion, Stefan's, but I agree with him. So, um, yeah, that's a team to look out for. Uh, yeah, Wolfsburg, a team that maybe could be a sleeper this year. Very much not a sleeper last year. They had a rough one. Uh, so too did Hertha Berlin. Stayed up after winning the second leg of the relegation playoff. But we've got uh, Hertha still there. We've got Schalke and Bremen back in the league. Of those three clubs, Schalke, Bremen, and Hertha, who do you think will struggle the least and who do you think will struggle the most? Yeah, we did a deep dive on the promoted teams and... I think the Werder and Schalke will have a lot of work to do this year to stay in the league. They got relegated at the worst possible moment during COVID, mm -hmm. right? In the past, when a giant went down, they were able to keep most of their assets because financially they were in a much stronger position than all the other second division teams. But their problem was that they were already in financial distress and then they go down and 
in order to sort of financially survive, they had to sell all the best players. And Schalke just sold Ozan Kabak to Hoffenheim, right? And you, you'll you see that those two teams will have a long and hard road back to be who they were when they got relegated. Uh, I do think that they both have a chance of staying in. Werder and Schalke, I hope that they both stay in because the league is better with them in it. But I do think that it's going to be difficult. And... Um, they have a gap to make up. The first two years are going to be really hard. So that actually means that Hertha are in a situation where they can mess up everything and go down. Hmm. <laughs> because that's what Hertha do. Uh, I mean, this is this is such an odd one, right? The club was such a dumpster fire last year. <laughs> For lack of ever had a determination. It's just everything that could go wrong went wrong. And uh, with the one exception that they survived in the relegation playoffs, uh, which I didn't think would happen, but they did it. Um, I think Freddy Bobic has, the sporting director has to show that he drew to the right conclusion. Sandro Schwarz comes in and that was a bit of a controversial signing too, because Sandro Schwarz uh, worked at Dynamo Moscow last year. And when Russia invaded Ukraine, didn't leave Russia. He finished his job there, still took the money. And he comes back. And that was seen with some consternation in Germany, in German press. And so he comes in now and I guess he has to kind of make up for his failings. Um, but Hertha is an interesting one to watch. I, I'm not sure what to make with of the, all their transfers. Um, John Joe Kenny comes in from Everton. Chidera Ijuke comes in from Zeska Moskva, where I guess Sandro Schwarz saw him. Zonjic comes in from Birmingham City. Oremovic from Rubin Kazan, another player signed from Russia. I guess uh, Sandro Schwarz scouted Russia and decided to take all the, the players from there. But I'm just not... We have this... this. You know Kinder, Tyler? The, the eggs? Yeah, 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 of course. The surprise thing in it? Yeah. We call it Kinderüberraschung in German. The surprise egg. They're the Überraschungsei. <laughs> Oh man, I do I do love a Kinder egg though. So thank you for that. Now I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> You're welcome. I uh, think. I yeah, think, I think so. Yeah, well, we'll see what what's in the Hertha Überraschungs Eye this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final couple questions. I'll get to rapid fire here. Um, basically about the Bundes the Bundesliga business that's been done. Uh, first one. What is your favorite sale out of the Bundesliga for whatever reason? Out. Yeah, as in like outgoing transfer sold to another league. Yeah, so you you gave me these questions ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I thought about this an entire podcast and before, and I'm still kind of struggling a little bit with it. Mm -hmm. um, out is always hard because the best players you kind of want to keep in the league. Mm -hmm. and And you sort of think, okay, well... What is a good sale, right? Tyler Adams to Leeds. You can just say Tyler Adams to Leeds. That's fine. I'm not sure that is a good sale. <laughs> for, for for which party? For Adams, for Leeds, or for Leipzig? For Adams. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. I don't like this answer anymore. <laughs> because he's a really good player. And are we sure Leeds are still in the Premier League when the dust settles next year? Okay. All right. I mean, but at the very least, it's a player who wasn't getting a ton of minutes who we would assume will get minutes. We'll find out if they're still in the Premier League. If not, maybe he goes right on I, back. Maybe, okay, maybe I say Taibo Avoni. I think okay. I like this transfer because he's a guy. He was 
part of the Liverpool loan army. He had various different places he went to, um, did really well at Union Berlin, earned a move back to the Premier League. Like, yes, it's only Nottingham, but he's going to earn a lot of money there, right? Union Berlin get 20 million euros for and make a handsome profit. I like that sort of deal because it makes everyone happy. What about your favorite incoming transfer? What's been your favorite signing in the Bundesliga? My favorite signing? Um, I mean, I am excited about Sadio Mane coming um, as a personality. I'm really curious to see how he's going to do in the Bundesliga. But I do think it's a little bit cheap to go for the biggest name. <laughs> because <laughs> everyone can do that, right? Um, it's another really tricky question. I mean, because it's obviously very easy to just go with money. Um, yeah, well, let's just do that then, because I think I think there's reasons for Mario Götze. Mario Götze, all right. Yes, right, actually, obvious, that's Götze. actually the one that, I, I mean, I kind of alluded already earlier to it, but it is Mario Götze, because I'm just, I want him to do well. I want him to finally show this enormous potential that he's always had. We've seen it at PSV. It's there. And I want him to have a happy end. Mm-hmm. And I guess ending on a not happy ending note, uh, are, is there a signing or signings that you didn't like for whatever reason? Are there anything, any transfers that you think were poor decisions by Bundesliga clubs? Oh man, there's going to be so many. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's that's fine. There can be many. Uh, there's always a, a lot where you just think, um, why, right? Um, I think it's not done yet. But Conrad Lima, if it goes through, I'm just that's so unnecessary. Um, the whole the whole drama that we have around surrounding this transfer is just. Why? Bayern Munich have Sabitzer, who, by the way, did amazing in in training camp in the U.S. He worked his ass off really hard and looked great against City, looked great against DC United, and plays that very position. And so I'm just thinking, why? Why this transfer? It makes no sense. Oh, and it's not just Sabitzer, Gravenberg too, Bayern Munich signed an incredible player. I, I think if you Conrad Leimer, you look at this and say, okay, yeah, Lagelsmann really likes me, but where do I fit in? And Bayern Munich, I mean, this is 30 million euros. Why? Why? You know, if, if you're really so determined to sign him, wait till next year and he's a free agent and uh, assess your situation then. So if this goes through, this is a transfer where I kind of just need to roll my eyes a little bit. Well, uh, we will check back in with you later in the season to find out if you're still rolling your eyes on some of these transfers <laughs> or anything that you liked or didn't like that has come to fruition. But for now, Manuel, uh, I know you're, you're quite busy. We established that in the beginning. So I will just say thank you again for taking the time. And one more time, can you plug uh, the many, many endeavors you have going? Yeah, so I work full-time uh, for Transfermarkt and uh, you can find all the latest transfer news on there. And uh, thank you very much for, for reading, of course. And uh, if you have any questions or input, um, it is actually a site where you are encouraged to do that. So please reach out, 
get registered. Um, you, you know, everyone can register and have input. So please do that. And then Stefan Bienkowski and I um, do the gegenpressing. Stefan also works for Transfermarkt. So um, we, we're partners in crime and lots of different endeavors. So Stefan Bienkowski and I um, do the Bundesliga gegenpressing podcast. And we launched a newsletter a couple of weeks ago. And um, you can find longer reads um, in our Substack. Um, you can register. It's $5 a month or 45 for the year. And um, you get one article a week from Stefan, one article a week from me, and you get one podcast, exclusive podcast, and you get all the other podcasts ad-free. And so that's a new endeavor of ours. And it's basically the reason why we're doing this is it's really hard writing about the Bundesliga without writing about Bayern Munich all the time. Having said that, the last my last few substacks were about Bayern because I was with the team. But there are certain topics that are just really hard to cover when it comes to German football. And this gives us an opportunity to do exactly that, to cover some of the stories that not necessarily rank well on search engine optimization or uh, over a certain word count that is optimal for Google Oh, you you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, Tyler, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives us the opportunity to sort of kind of like a, the athletic type of articles and be a bit more creative and be more in-depth. And while also knowing that the people read it, A, giving us the funds to be able to do it, but B, also actually enjoy that sort of writing. So um, you can check that out. Um, it's part of the Game Pressing podcast. And then I also do five columns for Forbes on the Bundesliga. And I believe those are still free, although they think there might be an article limit. But if you just read my five, you should be okay. Busy, busy man yeah. is Manuel Veit. Manuel, thank you again for taking so much time to talk to me about the Bundesliga today. Oh, it's a pleasure as always. And I'm really excited for the for the Super Cup on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be there. So if you're there too, please say, come and say hello. Uh, I had lots of people come and say hello in, in DC and Green oh, Bay. Awesome which was really nice. It's really nice hearing from people and also giving feedback, right? And that was really awesome. So I really appreciate uh, listeners uh, and readers and all that. Please come and say hello. It's very much appreciated. And yeah, thanks for, as always, for having me. Uh, I always love chatting with you about all the stuff. So of yeah. course, man. My pleasure. Listeners, hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed talking to Manuel, as I always do. And we will talk to you again very soon.